everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, The Shift. I'm Shay Candish, the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association Assistant General Secretary and the host of this show. Last month, nurses and midwives took decisive action across the state to protest against unsafe staffing, unfair pay and the terrible conditions in our public health system. The centrepiece of this action was a rally at New South Wales Parliament House, which was attended by thousands of people. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Sky Roma. Sky is a mental health nurse and the secretary of the Prince of Wales Mental Health Branch of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association. Sky was one of the speakers at the rally in Sydney and has been a longtime union activist. Thanks for joining me today, Sky. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, look, to kick off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience of nursing so far? Yeah, so um, this will be my 10th year working as a nurse. Um, over those 10 years, I've worked in adult, child and adolescent, as well as young adult inpatient services across our public health system and also in the private sector. Um, and I'm currently working at Prince of Wales Mental Health, um, which is actually where I did a clinical placement as a student. Um, and I really enjoyed it and, yeah. uh, yeah, ended up back there. And why mental health? What, what kind of took you through all those different specialties and brought you back to mental health? Yeah, look, I, one of the great things about nursing, I, I think is the fact that there's so much variety and there's so many different areas that you can turn to, um, mental health definitely wasn't the only area that I was considering. Um, but I think like a lot of new nurses, that confidence um, and feeling comfortable going into a, a new area of work can be quite overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess prior to being a nurse, I'd worked in the homeless sector for 10 years um, and providing assistance to uh, people living rough on the streets of inner Sydney. Um, and worked um, as part of Mission Beat, which is a, an, a homeless outreach service. So I had a bit of experience with that. I've also, I think with a lot of, probably the majority of the community have, have had um, experiences within my family and my own community of mental health. Um, and I just think, you know, obviously there's a lot of, stigma with mental health but it's a very it's a normal thing that that people can go through uh, especially when they're put under extreme stress or they've had trauma in their life and I just I really truly believe that they you know when you're at that most vulnerable point in your life that you deserve to feel safe and nurtured so that you can get back on your feet and that's just yeah an area that I kind of slotted into really well. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, haven't left yet. <laughs> it sounds like you're drawn to work with kind of vulnerable populations of people just based on what you've sort of spoken about there. Yeah, most definitely. I am was brought up in a, you know, very politically aware family, but I guess um, to my core, I'm, I'm very passionate about social justice um, and ensuring a more equitable, you know, community and, and making sure that, you know, if there are people that are struggling, that that we help each other and, and help them to get back on their feet. 
Yeah. Isn't that the core of, you know, so much of what we do, particularly, I think as union activists, but also as nurses, like there's so much crossover there. Most definitely. Yeah. And so I am assuming you get quite a lot of job satisfaction out of that work and being able to represent and advocate for those, um, you know, consumers in your care, but also probably when you were doing a lot of that work with the homeless community as well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think a big thing that is quite evident working in that area is that, and I think people can identify this, that when there's so much going on in your life and you're feeling really vulnerable, it can be difficult to see a way out. Mm -hmm. Um, But to have good support networks around you and someone that you can lean on and someone that's respecting you throughout this process so that you can get, you know, get back on your own feet and, and find that sense of identity is just so important in ensuring people can go, you know, be in the community and, and feel like they're, they've got a purpose. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Now you've spoken obviously quite a bit about um, doing that work with the consumers and the populate, those vulnerable populations. And, you know, I want to kind of take you through, uh, if you could explain the context of what it's like working in mental health at the moment and, you know, overlay that with the job satisfaction that you get out of doing the work, but also what it's like when you can't do the work or deliver the care to the level uh, that you've just explained that you want to be able to do for all of these people. Yeah, look, um, I guess in a nutshell, mental health nursing is all about promoting um, somebody's psychological well-being, their emotional well-being, and also their physical well-being. Um, mental health nurses work with consumers and families uh, across very varying uh, situations um, that can be in the community or in an inpatient setting. Um, and our main goal throughout all of this is, is kind of to assist people to better understand their mental health condition, uh, to learn to manage their symptoms, to be able to identify what may exacerbate their mental health or um, trigger them so that they can live a happier life, I guess, mm. in a nutshell. Um, and learn to live with a chronic illness, like yeah, you know, the exactly. hundreds of hundreds of thousands of Australians that have got all different types of chronic illness, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, it seems to come across that people don't understand mental health as much because it, they can't visibly see it. Yeah. Um, but from a mental health clinician's point of view, I think you can see it. It's just that as a society maybe we haven't been given the tools to identify how we may be able to see mental health as much as say for instance a broken arm yeah um yeah I when we come back to what it's like on the floor um like all areas of nursing at the moment we are chronically under understaffed we're under resourced Um, the people that are coming into hospital are sicker, they require higher levels of care. um, And at the moment, they're just not receiving that. They're receiving diluted and really the bare minimum. Um, And this makes our workplace very unsafe. If you're coming into hospital with a mental health concern and say, for instance, you happen to get put under the Mental Health Act, um, you know, 
in very simple terms, you're stopped from being able to leave the hospital. You, you're having, in sometimes your, your rights taken away from you. Um, you're having the control of your treatment taken out of your hands um, and can be very scary and extremely overwhelming. Um, and when we're under-resourced, it's not supporting those people to go back into the community, uh, to have a shorter stay in hospital and not have to keep coming through the hospital system over and over again. When you see a hospital system that is under this amount of pressure and nurses are over, overworked, um, we're being burnt out and run into the ground, the on the ground stories of how that affects our consumers is that, you know, they're not receiving the care that they deserve. They're not having their needs met in an adequate time frame, and they're definitely not receiving the world-class healthcare system that we're being told we have. Yeah. So talk to me about what that looks like, you know, day to day when you're coming in and you're understaffed and under-resourced, how many staff are you short and what, you know, I'm assuming it means that you're rationing your care, but what's the impact of that? You know, how do you make those choices and who does miss out? Who does get care? How do you make those choices day to day? It's a very, very difficult circumstance to be in. Um, we are constantly, as mental health nurses, making risk assessments on a ward. We have people on varying levels of care. That is the amount of, uh, you know, how regular you need to stop and engage with them, ensure that they're safe on the ward and that they feel supported on the ward. And when you're working down staff or you've got, you know, five, six, seven, up to 10 patients, we aren't able to provide enough time with each consumer to ensure that those needs are met. Um, that can also lead to people feeling frustrated, especially say for instance, as an example, if you've got somebody that's coming to hospital, they're under the Mental Health Act, they feel like their rights have been stripped of them. They feel like they've got no way out at this point in time and now their nurse is blowing them off or, or isn't spending enough time with them or you know they're not able to advocate for how they're feeling that doesn't assist their mental yeah. health um yeah throwing the them opposite. their meds isn't isn't really the solution no, is it, it they no, need when, 20 or 30 minutes to sit down and just kind of have a cup of tea sometimes and talk about, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to share their story and to feel heard so that they do have that sense of control of, of their own life. Mm. Um, to, to think that you can just, you know, put someone in a, a mental health unit and, you know, that's the end of it. Yeah. It's just not reality. I mean, no. there, there's a lot of, work and care that goes into supporting someone that's in hospital and supporting them to get out of hospital yeah and we just yeah in in real time it's we need more nurses we need more nurses on the floor and, and we need to be allocated a ratio system that works for the people that are using our service yeah couldn't agree more yeah. now 
thinking through the last couple of years, life's been pretty hard for, you know, most people given the circumstances of the COVID pandemic and the financial impact and the social impact, uh, having people in isolation, even nurses themselves. You know, I was looking at um, some of the mental health support services um, online, places like the Black Dog Institute, and they've spoken about healthcare workers and the huge increase that they've had um, of, you know, an uptake in mental health support just for healthcare workers. And we've had um, some previous uh, people on this podcast who have come from nurse and mid nurses and midwife support um, but for people in the health in the mental health community the consumers that you're already um, seeing what's it been like for them going through you know these really uncertain times uh, has it have you seen you know more significant um, kind of illness in this population has it impacted their ability to access regular preventative health care like what what's it been like for them yeah an observation that I've seen throughout this pandemic is yes, COVID already has affected the rest of the community. But if you have, say, for instance, underlying depression or you've got an underlying psychotic disorder, this environment has, has just been extremely difficult. Um, we have seen people that have been confused about messaging. We've had people that have been pulled down very different paths and ended up in hospital with a psychotic illness, um, extremely depressed, feeling like they can't get out. But when their brain chemicals are already susceptible to, um, I guess, responding to a situation a little bit differently than, than other people, it just puts that added stress on them. It's also been extremely difficult in an inpatient setting with things like the lockdowns um, and being, people being able to access leave from a mental health ward. So yes, although mental health wards, the majority are generally locked, part of somebody, their discharge planning of getting out of hospital is that they get leave to go out to see how they are feeling outside of that controlled environment mm. and that's been taken away from them or yeah. they haven't been able to have visitors like they normally would and they're already so isolated mm. and I'm, I'm not taking away from the fact that the community is feeling isolated but they're kind of on a next level they've been isolated from everybody had their rights taken away and oh and now sorry there's COVID so you can't have visitors mm. It can just have, um, and I've seen it have very detrimental effects on people. Mm. Well, look, I think, you know, that's just another of the many reasons for why we need to see improvements in the way we support people, right? Because if we've taken yeah. away all of their social supports and isolated them even further, then we need to be able to compensate to some degree and give people yeah. some human relationships. That's the key to kind of helping them get through some of these difficult times too. Yeah, um, yeah. So look, I think that then really takes us to all of the work that you've been doing as part of your branch, right? So yeah. the mental health branch at Prince of Wales was the first one to call for um, a day of action on the 15th of February. Uh, talk us through how that came to be and where we ended up going with that. Yeah. So 
look, uh, we won't take all the credit. Um, it was <laughs> the Prince of Wales Mental Health Branch along with the Prince of Wales Hospital Branch. Um, and we met with our local member um, to discuss what's really happening on the ground. I think like a lot of nurses and midwives, it's been very difficult to hear our state government talk about how we're coping, uh, that everything's fine, that we've got a strong system. And we're knowing that on the ground, that's not the reality. Um, so our sentiment was to get our message out there, um, that we aren't coping, that we're being run into the ground and that I guess primarily people's health and safety being put at, at risk as a result of this. Um, that was our main goal. And we decided that we were gonna do that on the 15th of February because that was the first um, day back for our state parliamentarians to return to our New South Wales Parliament. Um, and yeah, we were just hoping to uh, give them a welcome to remind them that actually that's not what's actually happening on the floor. Um, and we really wanted to get the message out to the community um, when what, yeah, with what we've seen in the media. Well, I think it was an awesome action that your branch took and it kicked off, you know, statewide action of all of the branches across New South Wales, uh, who then went into vote and supported, uh, the strike action on the 15th of Feb. And what that ended up in was more than eight and a half thousand members participating in, in strike action on that day. So that was pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. we had a, more than 5,000 people in Sydney on Macquarie street, and we had more than 30 rallies across the state in all the different regional towns um, so you were one of the key speakers that um, addressed that rally talk me through what it was like for you what what you saw what your experience was yeah um, I guess leading up to the rally I'm not gonna lie a uh, lot of nerves um, a lot of butterflies um, but my main goal was to come back to I guess the core, the core, the core values of nursing, um, and I guess what why we become nurses, and and why we decide, or maybe why we decide to stay in nursing. Um, I kept coming back to the quote that said, "The standard you walk past is the standard you accept," um, and I also kept hearing hearing Judith's words in my head, if not now, then when, if not us, <laughs> then who? Um, and I just kept finding myself coming back to those and also really reflecting on our registration standards, uh, our code of conduct, our code of ethics, and what it is that we're expected, um, what's expected of us as nurses to do our job efficiently um, and to provide sustainable healthcare system to our to our community. Um, yeah, it was just Yeah, there's a disconnect, right? Like there's yeah, all these there's, regulatory yeah. rules, there's all these standards, everything that says this is the expectation. And yet when we're out there delivering care, we're not provided the capacity to actually meet those requirements. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it from anything that I think you can read through any of our, our standards or what's required of us as nurses or midwives is in a nutshell, 
it's actually our professional obligation to pursue industrial action if we've raised issues with our employer that haven't been addressed. Um, we're expected to, you know, fight for an equitable healthcare system, to fight for social justice. Um, and we're also expected to identify any work health safety risks which we see and attempt to address them either with our employer or if we require further action through industrial action, then to pursue that. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's been a really, a really great experience to see nurses and midwives come together. Um, it's also been quite an overwhelming and sad experience to go through and, and not to take away, obviously it's exciting to go to a rally, but you know, it's, it's just not good enough that we're having to fight for a safe workplace. Mm. It's not okay that nurses and midwives have had to fight for fit testing or for adequate PPE. It's not okay that our, our workers' comp system is being attacked um, and that we're being told, you know, we need to prove that we've got COVID in our workplace when we're one of the industries that have been put at most risk throughout this, this pandemic because we're working with sick people. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been huge. It's um, a, a very big learning curve, but I truly believe that together we, we can all make a change in this. We, we owe it to our patients, we owe it to each other, and we, we owe it to ourselves. Um, the community expects that when they go into hospital that they're receiving the best possible care. And we expect that we're able to provide the, the best possible care. So if there are issues there, then it's our obligation to highlight them and hopefully get a government to speak to us about how we can make our healthcare system sustainable. Mm. Look, I couldn't agree more. It was really interesting talking to uh, nurses and midwives on that day of the rally. You know, I would describe it as being really like emotionally charged because people were elated with the experience of coming together and the solidarity that comes when we all stand together. And then you'd see these groups of people that were really emotional. Uh, and I think just the experience of having to think like, God, this is what we've got to do to get people to listen just yeah. so that we can give good care. It feels, it feels like the absolute nth degree of frustration that that's the requirement. And I guess from our perspective, you know, it was incredible to get so many people out there standing shoulder to shoulder, but there's so much more we still have to do because, the, you know, the government still isn't prepared to deliver ratios. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, we're going to have many more of those emotionally charged days ahead, I suspect, uh, but we've just got to keep bringing it and telling the community what's going on. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. Yeah. yeah. So look, let's change pace slightly. Um, I know you had a workplace injury a while ago. Talk me yeah. through what that was like and also how that's um, influenced your kind of union work and your advocacy. Yeah. Um... At the beginning of 2019, um, I was assaulted in the workplace uh, that resulted in a piece of my C5, C6 being chipped off um, and a nerve being pinched. So I couldn't use my left arm properly. 
I was in extreme pain. Um, in hindsight, the the situation wasn't dealt with the best. Um, you know, was staffing one of the impacts of how the injury came to be. Look, I truly believe that ratios may have avoided that incident, mm. um, specifically in relation to the consumer because they didn't feel like their needs had been met throughout the day. And so they were frustrated and that frustration grew. And when you don't have enough nurses on the floor, you may or may not be able to identify somebody that's escalating in behavior. And as a result, your workplace can become very unpredictable and very dangerous. Yeah. So I, I do honestly believe that ratios would have assisted that to not have happened. Um, I definitely wouldn't wish it on my, on my worst enemy. It was, or still isn't a nice um, system to be under. Mm. You, I guess, get assessed. You've pretty much got to prove that you were injured, which I guess was quite evident in my case. Um, and then I've had two surgeries throughout and I've still got chronic pain. And throughout that as well, you're constantly questioned. You regrow through your story again and again. I uh, can't count how many case managers I've had over the last two years. Um, so there's no continuity of care. Uh, it can be a very unsettling and unwelcome system to be under. And um, yeah, it, it pulled me out of the workplace. And I'm, to get through things, I always try to look for some silver lining. And I guess my silver lining or something that I was able to get out of that experience was to get out of that system, to have a break from that system being the mental health system and get almost an, a bird's eye view of what we were dealing with on the ward. Mm. Um, because we normalise it, right? So it's hard to see do. it when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nurses are a pretty strong bunch. Nurses and midwives, we, you know, are probably the last people <laughs> to go to the GP. We'll just be like, no, nah, you're all right. Like, we'll deal with it. On we go. Um, but really, it's, you know, it's not normal to go to work and and be in an unsafe place. It's not normal to go to work and be verbally or physically assaulted. It's not normal for nurses, you know, for, for a worker to, to go to work, being run into the ground, be burnt out, be fatigued, and then to still be expected to do overtime, to fill shifts, the level of stress and anxiety that comes along with that and, and wanting to support your consumers and wanting to support your colleagues and the, support the service kind of builds up into this big ball that just keeps growing and it, it continues and nothing seems to be changing. And, you know, it became quite clear that while you're in that environment, that it does become the normal, it, it's something that happens so regularly that you're understaffed or your ward's unpredictable and unsafe that you really, you, you just get used to it. Mm. 
and to step out of it and see it at that face value was extremely overwhelming. Mm. Um, And I also found that when I would say to colleagues, are you like, are you okay? And they'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, no, but are you okay? That's not normal. What's happened. Like it's, it's okay that you, you know, feel something towards that. We work in an empathetic industry, but we're also working in an industry that's burning us out. So it can be very difficult to tap into that empathy if somebody is burnt out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just a knock-on effect. There's a knock-on effect with, with care. There's a knock-on effect with nurses and midwives' own health. And then that also has a knock-on effect to their community. How, how are they coping within their own community and, and pe- other people having to support them now because they're not coping? It's, yeah, I just, I just don't understand. Personally, I just don't understand why the goal wouldn't be to support a health system to to stay strong and to continue to provide care why why it seems to be easier um to to ignore us Mm. that is the million dollar question isn't it and i think it's about the dollar (laughs) yeah so uh it is a frustration that you know we have governments who make decisions about uh, money before patients, um, which is probably why we're nurses and not politicians would be my guess. So look, on that same sort of theme, talk me through, you know, you've obviously come to this point in your life with lots of different experiences that have uh, influenced your activism. Uh, talk me through what your hope for the future is uh, and what the role of the union uh, should be as we go through these next couple of years um, and try and influence what this health system looks like. Yeah, I guess to um, take straight out of our state government's uh, strategic plan on healthcare is to have a sustainable healthcare system. And that means government working with nurses and midwives that are on the floor that know what's actually happening about making our healthcare system better. Um, I would love to see mandated nurse to patient ratios. I would love to see nursing and midwifery as a profession treated respectfully. Um, You know, a lot of people may argue about this, but if I want to be very cynical, um, in a female-dominated industry, it's alarming that we've had to fight for PPE and a safe work environment, whereas, say, for instance, somebody that's in a male-dominated industry, this stuff has already been addressed years ago. Yeah. Um, I would like. I would like to see nurses and midwives wanting to continue to come to their job um, and be well enough mentally and physically to continue doing their job. Nursing is not just a one, two year thing. It's generally a career for somebody's life or for many years throughout their life. And they deserve to have a safe workplace and they deserve to have a workplace that they feel supported in and that they can do their job to the best of their ability. And I think that's why it's so important 
that we address these issues because it's not just me. It's not just my colleagues now. More people will come into nursing. And if we stay the way we are, if we stay at the status quo, it's quite evident that things are going to get worse. And I, I don't even want to think of that day. Uh, some of the things, if you speak to a nurse or midwife that we've experienced in our workplace, are, I get teary thinking about this, they are next level. Mm -hmm. um, obviously for confidentiality reasons, we can't necessarily discuss them, you know, with most people. Um, but they take a toll. Yeah. And if we don't do anything, they're just going to continue and they're going to get worse. And I, I'm not prepared to accept that. Well, that's a good, to accept it. I feel like that's a good place to draw the line in the sand, right? Because yeah. I think you're right. Like we're no different than everyone else. And you can take one traumatic day or one difficult day, but taking multiple day after day or week after week or whatever everyone's individual workplaces is like yeah. uh, it does chip away at your resilience it makes it harder to keep coming back and doing that work when it requires so much personal sacrifice um, to be able to keep coming back so you know I hope for the future that this union can be the balance of power that we need to hold this government to account and every future government to account. Uh, because you're right, we are a female dominated workforce. There is a reason why, you know, it, we have to fight for everything we've got. Um, there's a reason why there were certainly other sectors of workers being offered PPE um, before we were, that's for sure. And yeah. we can't tolerate that. That can't be the way that this health system goes forward into the future. So. I hope that we will stand shoulder to shoulder for the years to come uh, and just keep holding everyone to account to demand the system that we need because that's the change that we have to see. Most definitely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, look, Sky, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a really... Um, really inspiring chat with you today and you know I'm so grateful for nurses like you in our sector uh, because you know without you what would it be like? Thank you so much it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time. We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's Member Advantage Scheme. Did you know that as a member of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association you can save thousands of dollars a year through our Member Advantage program? Your union membership gives you access to discounts for everything from groceries, white goods from the good guys, holidays, and even a new car. You can access it through your member central portal. And if you're not yet a member, join today by going to nswnma.asn.au to enjoy the benefits straight away. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sky and look forward to seeing you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with our services and campaigns. This podcast was recorded on Indigenous land. We acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. 
This land was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.